0: Welcome to another episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, down here in beautiful Tampa, Florida. This is the podcast for the week of October the 22nd, Halloween, right around the corner. Before we know it, the holidays will be here. Thanksgiving, the Christmas music, all that good stuff will be right around the corner, so... Beautiful, been a beautiful fall week down here in Tampa, temperatures in the low 80s, very comfortable, very nice, a little chill in the air here at night, so I'm sure some of you around the country are enduring some colder weather tonight, I was watching the World Series and it's a little little chilly up in the northeast, up in Boston. And I'm sure it's been, I've seen I've seen some snow last weekend in the, some of the college football games up in the Midwest, up in Wisconsin, out in Colorado for the NFL game in Denver. Some snow flurries and such, so the fall is definitely here and winter is not far away. So, hope you're, wherever you're listening from, hopefully you're nice and comfortable and the weather's okay. want to give a shout out to our sponsors of the podcast, Power Stories Theater, Five Star Athletics, Patrick Hyland, the insurance quarterback, you can call Patrick at 813-966-1052, Sam Jenkins Design, Sam designed our podcast logo, you can get a hold of Sam if you have any creative uh, needs, branding needs for your business or personal business. Uh, branding, you can get a hold of Sam at samjinkinsdesign.com, samjinkinsdesign.com, so appreciate the sponsors for their support of the podcast, and tonight we are going to talk a little MLB, we're in the the midst of the World Series between the Red Sox and the Dodgers. Game two just concluded with the Red Sox taking a 2-0 lead, we'll talk about the the World Series. We're also going to talk a little college football. We're getting to the crunch time of the college football season. We're getting into week number nine. have about four weeks to go in the regular season. The first college football playoff rankings from the playoff committee will be coming out next Tuesday. Catch that on ESPN. We're going to talk a little bit of that. We're going to talk where there were some upsets in on the college gridiron last weekend. We're also going to talk some NFL. We're going to recap last week, a couple of the storylines from last week, and we're going to preview some games from this week. I'm going to give you three best bets from both the college and the pros on for the slate of games for this coming up weekend, which will be October the... The weekend of the 27th, 28th, and 29th. So first, let's get to my week. Pretty uh, uneventful week. I had the opportunity to go work the University of South Florida football scrimmage practices on Tuesday. It's p- pretty interesting to get out and work with Charlie Strong and the Bulls down here in Tampa. Went out and officiated their practice on Tuesday. High school football season, my high school season is winding up. I only have two more games left. I have a game this Friday involving two private school teams, Cambridge Christian and Carrollwood Day School. For those of you that uh, are John Gruden fans, Carrollwood Day School is a school John Gruden when he was out of coaching his a couple of his children went there went and played there and Gruden was pretty involved in the program at Carrollwood Day here in Tampa. So I got them this Friday night, and then I have one more game the following Friday. So got Halloween coming up next week. So hopefully you guys are—I'm sure there'll be plenty of Halloween festivities this weekend throughout the various uh, venues around wherever you're living. Obviously, we're gonna have the kiddos going out for Halloween next win- next Wednesday night. So make sure if you're providing candy, you have plenty of candy and. If you're taking your kiddos out for Halloween, be safe and hope you guys have a great time trick-or-treating throughout the neighborhood. So, so let's get to some major league baseball. The World Series. First off, we had game seven of the National, Cham- National League Championship Series. We had the Dodgers went to Milwaukee and won a game seven on the road. I think the, the big storyline there was kind of the, 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 the bullpen philosophy of Milwaukee versus the, the, the traditional starting pitcher situation for the Dodgers. And just from all indications and all, you know, most of the analysts and me watching the games, it just looked like that the that the Milwaukee bullpen just ran out of gas and just uh, was, was used so much throughout the playoffs that the Dodgers just uh, – Pieced meal to get enough, enough together to, to, to win the game 5-1. to one, Yasiel Puig with a big three-run homer in Game 7 was kind of the dagger. Um, so the Dodgers won a very contested series against the Brewers, four games to three to advance to the World Series. The Red Sox knocked off the Astros in five games, which was very surprising. Most people thought that would be a six- or seven-game series. Uh, The Red Sox went to Houston and won all three games in Houston. Uh, David Price with a big performance against uh, Justin Verlander. Clinching performance in Game 5. Finally got the monkey off his back of of postseason, lack of postseason success. So, good for David Price and the Red Sox. So, we head to the World Series. Game 1 was... Tuesday night in Boston, shout out to my buddy Jamie Zites, who was in attendance in Fenway Park, huge Red Sox fan from Jacksonville, made the trip up to Boston for game one, I know he's a huge Red Sox fan, so happy for Jamie that he got to go to to the World Series again, and obviously get a ticket to the game and all that good stuff, so I'm sure he had a great time, and shout out to you Jamie, and your Red Sox. Game one last night, massive pitching duel battle between Chris Sale and Clayton Kershaw. That was the anticipated pitchers' duel, which turned into a slugfest. Uh, both pitchers were out prior to the fifth inning being concluded. Uh, Kershaw did not look very good early, gave up two runs in the first, kind of settled down a little bit, and then got hit a little bit as in the fifth inning. Chris Sale kind of labored through four innings. I think he got through four and a third innings. He kind of labored. He hadn't pitched in a while. He had been sick during the Houston series, had a stomach ailment, didn't pitch in game five, was going to pitch in game six, had there been a game six. Looked like he was a little off, a little lethargic yesterday, threw a lot of pitches. His control wasn't quite there. The Dodgers got to him. The big blow in the game was in the seventh inning. Eduardo Nunez, pinch hit, three-run homer, kind of put the game away from it. It was a 5-4 Boston lead, three-run homer in the seventh, pinch hit, three-run homer, makes it 8-4. Lots of questions of Dave uh, Roberts concerning his uh, pitching matchups and and his use of the lineup in the bullpen. You know, Roberts has been has been accused of, of going with the analytics a little bit too much and not managing more of a feel as opposed to strictly from the, the book or what the analytics say. So uh, he got burned last night with that. Kimbrel came in the game in the ninth and pitched a solid ninth. So the Red Sox took a one nothing lead. Game two just concluded with the Red Sox winning 4-2. He had another, again another uh, quality performance tonight out of David Price. Pitched five innings. Uh, I believe he gave up two runs. Five innings. Again, the big blow in the game was again another managerial decision by Dave Dave Roberts. Roberts in the fifth inning, it was two to one. Ryu was pitching okay, pretty well. Ran into some trouble in the fifth inning with two outs, a couple guys on. He brings Matson in the game. Did not bring in Pedro Baez, who's been pretty much automatic as far as uh, getting out of trouble during the playoffs. Brings in Madsen. Madsen got into some trouble last night in Game 1. Madsen subsequently walks uh, walks a run in to make it 2-2 two two and then gives up a blue pit, kind of a flare to right field. A two-run single by J.D. Martinez. So the Red Sox score three in the fifth to go up 4-2. The Red Sox offense, not... Not very good, you know. They again, Price being a left-handed pitcher, the the Dodgers went to their predominantly right-handed lineup. We had David Freeze playing. You had Kiki Hernandez playing. You had uh, you know some very interesting players you had playing that normally you know would not be your Chris Taylor played with three big players for the Dodgers on the bench it's, it's it's baffling to me that you that you have a guy named yeah Max Muncy and Cody Bellinger sitting on the bench both guys left-handed hitters but both guys were 30 plus homer guys during the regular season and just two of your be, your best players on the team and you are sitting them both down jock peterson i can i can understand you know platooning him but muncy and cody bellinger need to be in the lineup i don't care who's pitching lefty righties, they they're two of your best players on your team they got to be in the lineup somehow, some way, and you can't wait till the fifth or sixth inning to get them into the lineup. So I just, I think the, I think the Dodgers through two games have been uh, a little too uh, robotic when it comes to their lineup and their analytics uh, are saying play so play certain players. You got to play your best guys in the World Series. Bottom line, uh, in my mis- in my opinion, they may- Roberts made a big mistake not playing Bellinger and not playing Muncy. Uh, I think you let them you let them figure it out against left-handed pitching. They're both very, very quality hitters. And if they're quality hitters, they're going to be able to make have good at-bats against righties and lefties. So heading to game three, the next three games, three, four, and five, are all in Los Angeles. Um, you will see Rick Porcello will start game three for the Red Sox. Eovaldi will start game four. Eovaldi came in in relief in both game one and two in the eighth inning as a setup guy for Kimbrell. So you're going to see him in Game Four, and not Game Three. So I think the Dodgers have a, have a have an excellent opportunity to get back in the series in Game Three against Porcello. You will see all the left-handed batters in the lineup for the for the Dodgers: Bellinger, Muncy. You'll see Jock Peterson. So you, I think you'll get I think you'll get LA's best effort in Game Three. You got Walker uh, Walker Bueller will be pitching Game Three. I think the youngster is due for a big performance. He's he's been so 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 far and he was so so in the NLCS. I do expect him to come out and pitch well in the, in the in the World Series in game 3. Again, uh, warm weather out in LA home. You'll see all the stars out for the World Series, all the movie stars, all the athletes will be there if they if they're if they're available with no game. So it'll be a it'll be a big atmosphere out in Chavez Ravine. So I would expect LA to win Game Three. Would be my, my my prediction for the weekend. So that'd be one of my best bets for the weekend. Take LA in Game Three. Uh, I do think the Dodgers will find a way to win two out of three in LA to get to get to get the series back to Boston for a Game Six. And I would exp- and my, again my prediction from the o- onset was Boston in six games. So I, I'm I'm going to stick to that. I think David Price will find a way to get it done in Game Six. I, I think he's going to be your World Series MVP. Is Mr. David Price? It's going to be a my a prediction on, uh, for that. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, they'll play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, off Monday. So Tuesday. So this time uh, Tuesday, Wednesday will be a Game Six and Seven, if necessary, in Boston. So uh, that's the. Uh, that's the scene on the, of the baseball uh, World Series. Again, pretty dramatic. Two big, two big franchises. First time they've ever met in the World Series, which is hard to believe as many times as these clubs have been in the World Series. But it is the first time the Dodgers and the Red Sox have ever played in the World Series. Pretty cool moment tonight before Game 2. They were honored the 2004 Red Sox before the game. A bunch of the guys came out and threw out first pitches. And if you recall, Dave Roberts, the manager of the Dodgers, was was the instrumental, had the instrumental kind of most famous stolen base ever in playoff history when he stole second base off Mariano Rivera in Game Four in order to score the run to to, to trigger the 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 uh, the 3-0 comeback by the Red Sox versus the Yankees. Roberts was kind of the spearhead there with the stolen base. So Roberts came out pregame and and was embraced by the by those guys and the crowd and all that. So that was, that was kind of a cool moment too. So for, for Dave Roberts. But I think Dave just needs to let his guys play. You gotta you got the you let your best players play. Don't overthink it. And do not bring Ryan Madsen in the game any any longer in a big moment. You know, the Dodgers had an opportunity tonight. They were up two one in the fifth. Again, tight game. I was expecting Baez to come in the game in the fifth to hopefully get him out of trouble, but he didn't and it and it came back to roost for the Dodgers. So I don't think you'll see Ryan Matson in any more high-pressure situations uh, in the series. I think they're going to rely on Baez, they're going to rely on Maeda. they're going to rely on Kenley Jansen to get them home, and obviously the starting pitching is going to need to be good to get them home too. So, but I do expect LA to win Game Three. That would be uh, again, my, I'm going to I'm going to I'll take definitely take LA in Game Three. Uh, and I think I think Boston will split either game four or game five to get back to a to a game six in Fenway. So all right. So let's transition to the College World of College football. Interesting week last week. Not a lot of great games, but we had a couple of upsets. The Buckeyes from Ohio State took a scud up in West Lafayette. The Purdue Boilermakers get it done. Primetime ABC Saturday night. A tremendous atmosphere in West Lafayette. The Buckeyes get just thoroughly beat. Uh, wasn't it was a contest at halftime, but the second half was it, they were just thoroughly beaten. I, I believe the score was 30-49-20 was the final. Amazingly, the Ohio State offense just sh- continues to struggle to find a running game. I don't know why. They've got two pretty good running backs. I don't know if there's an offensive line issue. But they just continue to throw the ball way too much. Uh, Haskins is a pretty good quarterback, but you can't throw it all the time. You got to establish the running game. They got good running backs. They got Dobbins, they got Mike Weber. I don't know what's going on. There seems there have been some reports that came out of Columbus this week that there's some friction kind of brewing between urban and potentially the administration. It would not shock me one bit. and I'm going to predict, and I, and I think this is going to be the end of the uh, of the run for Urban Meyer at Ohio State at the end of this year. I think he's going to leave. I think it's going to be a mutual decision for him, for him to for them to part part ways from the university. You know, with the whole scandal here at the beginning of the season, with Meyer getting suspended, with the uh, Zach Smith situation. Uh, Looking at Urban Meyer, he looks like he's having some health issues again back to his Florida days towards the end of his Florida days when he was having some headaches and that kind of stuff. There's been a couple times this year that you've seen him on the sidelines really grimacing and like he's in pain. I don't know if it's migraine headaches or stress or what, but he just doesn't look very comfortable and he doesn't look very happy here at Ohio State this year and uh, it I, I got a funny feeling he's they're gonna they're gonna part ways at the end of the year. Uh, does Urban go to the NFL? Does he take another year off? Does he maybe retire from coaching? I mean, think about it, Urban's. Urban's been coaching 12, 15 years now. He's had two huge jobs, Florida and Ohio State. Won a me- mega, mega winner, a couple national championships. It may be one of these things where Urban might be kind of pull a Dick Vermeil or kind of pull a John Gruden and just retire. And you, and you may see him in the TV. You, if he's retired, you'll definitely see him on the TV side of things. Um, or does he or does he try to make a run in the NFL? Does he try to get an NFL job? Potentially the Cleveland Brown job could be open. He's an Ohio guy. So that could be something that could potentially, you know, fester as if, if Cleveland continues to struggle, Hugh Jackson might get removed. In all likelihood he probably will get removed at the end of the year unless Cleveland wins six or seven games. Uh, would Urban, you know, try to try to get an NFL job. It'd be interesting to see how Urban would do in the NFL. Um, you know, with it being even more stress as far as the work schedule and the workload and all that stuff. So, uh, interesting doings in Columbus, in my opinion. Uh, and I could I could see Ohio State going with Ryan Day as their as their coach. Um, you know, he did a pretty good job when he was the interim coach. Younger, cheaper, much cheaper than Urban. It might be something where they're just trying to get a, a, a kind of a or. Ohio State could just go for a fully clean slate, and maybe just run the entire staff out of there in Columbus to try to find a just a, a clean, clean new beginning. So it will be interesting to see what happens in Columbus as they as they march on. Uh, they're not eliminated from the playoff hunt yet, but they're 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 on life support. They definitely have to, to run the table and beat Michigan. Hopefully, that Michigan Ohio State game will have some some meaning at the end of the year. I hope so because that that'd be a good that's that'd be a great game to watch. Uh, The Wolverines are coming on in the Big Ten, just continue to be dominant on defense, and the offense keeps getting a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better each week. They're running the ball pretty well, and the quarterback's playing pretty decent. So they're not a juggernaut on offense by any means, but they're just slowly just getting a little bit better week in, week out. Again, the showdown in Columbus at the end when they'll play Ohio State. Again, hopefully that game will be for all the marbles and who goes to the Big Ten championship game. Um, so you had Oregon get beat in the Pac-12. That pretty much eliminated any title hopes for the Pac-12. They got beat in, at the Palouse, Washington State. Mike Leach getting it done. Mike Leach has got a one-loss team at Washington State. They're playing pretty well. Uh, Herbert, Justin Herbert and the Ducks were getting crushed 27 to nothing at the half. Made a big run to get within 27-20. to 20. Um had the ball with a chance, uh, you know, end up getting with end up being it was 27-20 late. Washington state scored a late touchdown 34-20. And that ended up being the final was 34-20. So Oregon pretty much is has eliminated them, themselves as well as the Pac-12 from probably any from any playoff considerations. You got Oregon out there with two losses. SC's not doing well uh Stanford's got a couple losses, Washington's got a couple of losses, so it's just another another uh disappointing year for the Big 12 or for the Pac-12, excuse me, for the playoffs. Uh they'll be left out again. Uh just they just can't seem to get a team to to, to run the table or or with one loss and a quality schedule. So it's lots of soul searching to, to for, for the Pac-12. So um The first playoff rankings come out this coming up Tuesday, so we'll see kind of what the committee's thinking as far as the top four. I don't think there's much doubt on the top two. It's going to be Bama and Clemson. The question is going to be where are they going to put Notre Dame, LSU, and Michigan are probably the three teams that are battling for the two spots at this point. Um, You know, I would guess Notre Dame would be three and probably LSU four with Michigan a close five would be my guess. Um, and, but obviously LSU's got a, a monster game with Alabama coming up. Michigan's got a monster game with Ohio State. Notre Dame's got a, a potential, you know, a tricky couple tricky games left with Navy, and then you got USC at the end. Um, Georgia's Georgia's uh, in the mix. They've got enough, they've got a big game this week against Florida for the cocktail party, which is basically an elimination game in the SEC East. Um, you know, Texas is still in the mix. They're, they'll probably be six or seven in the rankings. Oklahoma potentially still in the mix with one loss. But it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting weekend. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna preview these games here in just a minute. But the first set of playoff rankings come out. And, again, a couple of teams to be uh, wary of as far as what, what kind of respect level the, the committee is giving, giving would be Central Florida – they're currently, I believe, 10 in the AP poll. So to be interesting to see where they fall as far as the, the playoff committee goes, uh, do they have a legitimate chance? If they have an undefeated season and a couple thing, and a couple teams in front of them lose, do they have a legit chance to get into the playoff? Given their their kind of uh, strength of schedule shortcomings, South Florida is another team. Again, undefeated. Will have a potential showdown game at the end with Central Florida. Also have a tough game this week against Houston and Cincinnati still to come. So those two teams will be teams I'd be I'm going to be curious to see where they get ranked initially in the in the polls uh, with the playoff committee because uh, you know the, the argument's always been do, what what kind of respect do you give to the non-power five school that happens to have it you know if they have a dream season and they go undefeated. But yet they don't have a super strong schedule. How do you how do you compare their resume versus the a one loss SEC or one loss Big Twelve, you know one loss potential Big Ten kind of team when it comes down to to nut crunching time. So uh, every Tuesday, starting from this Tuesday on for the next four Tuesdays, they're going to have the, the the rankings. So that'll be an interesting thing. You can catch that on ESPN on Tuesday nights. So that's going to be a uh, interesting. Uh, interesting watch especially this first week especially with the three and four spots the schedule of games there's in my opinion there's four big games this week on the schedule that have national championship uh, hopes and kind of ramifications you got uh, actually five games you got Notre Dame Navy you, you know when you look at that game you don't think much of it but Navy's always kind of given Notre Dame some issues over the years with the, with the option. The triple option offense—it's again—it's a tough offense to get ready for. They're playing this game out in San Diego. It's kind of something that Navy and Notre Dame have done over the years. They played at some neutral sites. They played one year in Ireland, I believe. They played in Philadelphia before. They played in Baltimore, and now they're playing out in the uh, San Diego. Um, a, a tidbit that I did not know regarding this rivalry: Army and Navy—I mean Navy and Notre Dame—virtually t- uh, play virtually every year and kind of the the uh, genesis of that relationship came back in the world world war uh, in the during the the military wars notre dame the university was in trouble financially and the naval academy kind of helped bail them out of some financial issues by hosting classes and such on campus and really really helped them out financially by getting kids enrolled at the university and taking classes that were uh sponsored by the navy and so kind of, the, so kind of the, the reward back to the Naval Academy is that Notre Dame would play them in football every year. So that's one reason why you see Notre Dame and Navy play every year, which is kind of cool to, to know the history of that. And it's always been a pretty good rivalry. There have been some near upsets by the Naval Academy. I think Navy has actually beat them a couple of times over the last 15 or 20 years. So that will be a tricky game for Notre Dame. I do expect Notre Dame to get through. But you never know. you got Clemson going to Tallahassee for a high noon game on Saturday. Again, I don't expect Clemson to lose, but you never know. This could be the one one kind of roadblock tricky game for Clemson. Uh, Florida State's always seemed to play them pretty well. The Seminoles are definitely down this year uh, on both sides of the ball, but Taggart's kind of stabilized things a little bit the last three or four weeks. Uh, Clemson is really starting to take off offensively. Trevor Lawrence is is taking command of the offense. Uh, They're starting to play pretty well, so I do expect Clemson to get it done. But I wouldn't be shocked if this is a game mid-third quarter. Uh, You know, if this this game's fairly competitive, middle of the third quarter. But I I do think Clemson will pull away late and win by a couple scores. You have Texas going to Oklahoma State. Pretty interesting game in the Big 12, a must-win game for Texas. Uh, you know that's I think Texas is the is the big 12s uh, biggest hope to get into the playoff. Texas has had some big wins, Oklahoma, USC. Uh, so I definitely think you're gonna uh, Sam Ellinger, the quarterback who got injured against Oklahoma or in the, after the Oklahoma game against Baylor. He's supposedly supposed to be back. The game is in is in Stillwater. Oklahoma State's a little bit down this year. they're, they're I think they're three and three or four and four and three something like that. Uh, again, I could see this being a close game, but I do think Texas will find a way to get it done. Uh, setting up a possible rematch with Oklahoma, they need they'll ha- they probably will have to play again in the Big Twelve Championship. So, Big Twelve fans out there, you guys are rooting for Texas. That's probably your best bet to get to get a playoff berth. Oklahoma potentially has an opportunity if they were to run the table and beat Texas, but. I think Texas would definitely have the better opportunity to for sure stamp their ticket. If Texas runs the table, I think they will get in. So Tom Herman doing a good job in year two in, in Austin. Uh, again, Ellinger's health is, is a key here. Uh, he likes to they, – they run him a lot. That's the one thing that makes you nervous about Texas is they run the quarterback a lot. And obviously that the more times your quarterback's getting hit, the more susceptible he is to injury. And he did injure his shoulder. So it will be interesting to see if they – Modify the game plan a little bit, the number of quarterback carries to, to, to eliminate the hits. An off-the-radar game, USF, the Bulls, are going to Houston in a big uh, AAC showdown. Again, this has kind of got some peripheral uh, playoff ramifications. USF's undefeated. Houston's got one loss. Houston's not making it to the play, any playoff scenarios, but USF has an outside shot. So, USF needs to win the game to, to enable, a, hopefully, a USF-UCF showdown in Week 12. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see how Charlie Strong and the Bulls handle going on the road to Houston. Vegas has Houston as about a 7.5-point favorite, which is kind of interesting. Um, so, uh, Vegas obviously thinks Houston is better, but uh, Charlie and the Bulls are heading out to uh Houston again some local some local interest here in Tampa with, with South Florida as this game builds towards the UCF showdown. Um, you know Charlie's doing a great job here at USF in year two building that program the facilities are getting are much nicer than they were so this is a kind of USF's kind of a sleeping giant USF and UCF are kind of sleeping giants uh, that have an opportunity to, to spoil some playoffs playoff opportunities. And probably the game of the day is probably in the SEC East in the in uh, the cocktail the annual cocktail party in Jacksonville. You got Georgia and Florida. This is this is a de facto playoff game. The the loser is going to be out as far as any playoff considerations, as well as out for an opportunity to go to the SEC championship game. Uh, Florida, Georgia, and Kentucky all have one loss, and there's still a. Georgia Kentucky game to be to be played in a couple of weeks in Lexington, um, but this is definitely an elimination game. You have Georgia coming off the the thorough beating they took at LSU. You got Florida. Both teams are coming off a bye week. Florida uh, is coming into the game healthy. Again, the big question with both teams, Georgia and Florida, is the offense, the quarterback, the play of the quarterback is going to be the one who decides this game. Whichever quarterback can make the Make the throws. Make the throws they're supposed to make. Complete the balls that are there to be completed are going to be the, is going to be the team that wins. Both defenses are very good. Um, I expect this to be a low-scoring game, a 24-17 kind of game. I do think Georgia will find a way to get it done. Don't be surprised if you see two quarterbacks play for Georgia. They've got a highly touted freshman quarterback, kind of a dual threat guy, uh, Fields. Don't be surprised if he gets more and more, a uh, little bit more activity than he's gotten in previous weeks. With Jake Fromm struggling, uh, Florida is gonna is gonna go with Philippe Fla- Franks. Uh, they're just gonna try to grind it out. Florida's been, uh, you know, one thing about Dan Mullen in these kind of games, these bigger games in his career, is he's not afraid to be a riverboat gambler. You'll see some trick plays out of him, uh, fake punts, you know, double reverse passes, things like that. So. Both teams having two weeks to prepare. I do, I do look for some trick plays and that kind of stuff in this game. Kirby Smart will have Georgia ready to go. Um, so very interesting game in Jacksonville, CBS 330 Saturday. You'll definitely see uh, Danielson and uh, Brad Nestler on the call. I do think Georgia will win the game 24-17 <laughs> to set up the showdown in Lexington in a couple of weeks versus Kentucky. Who would have thought that? Uh, this time uh, in August, who would have thought Kentucky would be in the mix for an SEC East title? Um, but they are good for Mark Stoops and uh, the Kentucky Nation. Big Blue, Big Blue. I know some people up in Big Blue Land, Mr. PV and Mr. My Man Jeff Brown. All those, um, the, the Cats. A little more, a little more going on in. Lexington, other than just basketball season. When does basketball season start? Not so fast. Let give Mark Stoops some props. That play that'll be the biggest. If 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 it's Kentucky in in, in Georgia in two weeks for the SEC title on the line, it'll be the biggest game in Lexington in probably thirty years, forty years. Um, again, it'll be it'll be a raucous crowd. That'll be that'll be a CBS game. Um, you'll have that game leading into the Alabama. LSU game. Both those games will be on November the 3rd. Uh, Alabama LSU will be in prime time. Both those teams are off this week preparing for that game. But that game will be CBS 8 o'clock prime time from Baton Rouge. And we'll talk more about that game next week. But that's that's probably the one out stumbling block Alabama faces before they get to the uh, SEC t- title game. So Interesting, so it'll be, again, will be some more de facto playoff games in a couple of weeks as well. So it's starting to get really interesting in the college football world. A lot of uh, games that are going to be knocking teams in, out and keeping teams alive. So that's the one cool thing about, the, about college football related to the NFL is you have a lot of playoff games that actually happen during the regular season where the regular season games actually do matter way more, way more, and way more than the NFL games do sometimes. So... My best bets from the college docket, I'm going to take Texas minus the three to get it done. I'm going to take Georgia minus six and a half to beat the Gators in a close game. And I'm also going to take South Florida plus the seven at Houston. I think Charlie strong will find a way to get it done. They've, they've, they've kind of been the cardiac kids. They've been behind several games this year. Have come back to win. I like Blake Barnett at quarterback, the, the, ex, the, the former Alabama transfer, um, you know, I think this could be one of those kind of uh, destiny-type seasons to at least get to the Central Florida game undefeated. So I'm going to take uh, South Florida plus the 7, Georgia minus the 6.5, and, and Texas, hook them horns, baby, minus the 3. And now on to the National Football League. And first we'll give a quick, again, one more shout-out to our sponsors. Five Star Athletics, Power Stories Theater, Patrick Hyland, the insurance quarterback. Give Patrick a call at 813 966 1052. Patrick does a lot of work with uh, seniors, veterans. Uh, he can help you with, the, with, with med- any Medicare issues you're having. Might need some Medicare uh, coverage, regular coverage, as far as uh, he can also get you set up with some uh, financial. Management tools, annuities, things like that. So give Patrick Hyland, our insurance quarterback, a call. Sam Jenkins Designs. SamJenkinsDesigns.com For all of your uh, creative, art, branding, marketing needs. T-shirt design. Sam Sam does a great job designing T-shirts. Check him out on Facebook as well. at Sam Jenkins Designs. Dot .com samjenkinsdesigns.com he does he's a uh, fellow florida stater with me so samjenkinsdesigns.com i know sam's not real excited about the florida state season so far but we'll see if we can pull a shocker versus the versus dabo and the tigers in tallahassee
1: you know tallah you
0: know the seminoles are not doing well when they're playing the 12 oclock game versus clemson on a saturday Typically, that game's a three thirty or or a, a seven thirty kind of game. Usually, when it, uh, with Florida State struggling, that game gets pushed to the twelve o'clock slot, and that's not a that's not the best time slot that you're looking for when it comes to a primetime game. So, Saturday, twelve o'clock, Tallahassee, Dope Campbell Stadium, Clemson gets it done. On to the NFL. Those Patriots, man, they just keep rolling. Find a way to get it done week after week. No matter if Gronkowski's playing, they lose Sony Michelle this week. They go to Chicago, beat the Bears, keep Trubisky uh, in check, give up a hail mary pass in the last play of the game where the guy catches the ball on the one yard line and gets tackled. The Patriots, Tom Brady, just find a way to get it done. They just, they just. It's unbelievable how how. Uh, systematic and how ruthless they are when it comes to these games. Two special teams touchdowns for the Patriots this week. You had a block punt for a touchdown. You had a kickoff return by for a touchdown by Cordarrelle, Cordarrelle Patterson. So two two big two big defensive special team scores. Brady plays pretty well. Josh Gordon getting more and more in the mix every week. You know, the big big question that, uh, coming out of that game is Sony Michelle, the health of Michelle, probably going to miss a couple of weeks. Gronkowski still a little nicked up. It would be interesting to see if he plays this Monday night. But, you know, th- four weeks ago we're thinking the Patriots are in trouble at 1-2 and two when they got smacked by the Jaguars. Uh, but now they've run off four in a row. Got Buffalo this week going to be five in a row in complete control of the AFC East. The Dolphins are actually playing pretty well at 4-2, but Buffalo's a train wreck, and the Jets are just going to be a mediocre team this year. So uh, the Patriots get it done. New Orleans goes to Baltimore and gets a very impressive 24-23 win. The story out of this game is Justin Tucker. The Ravens come back and get within one point in the last 30 seconds of the game, drive 80 yards, down 24-17. Joey Buttafluco. that's my nickname for Joe Flacco, Joey Buttafluco. I'm not a big Joe Flacco fan. But he does lead a, 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 a drive down the field, gets within 24-23. And Justin Tucker, who's never missed an extra point in college and never missed an extra point in his pro career, all of a sudden decides he's going to go Rick Flair, and Flair's an extra point off to the right, misses. First-ever career extra point, and the Ravens lose 24-23. So the Saints get a huge Huge road win in Baltimore. Um, You know it's a very tough place to play. Credit to, to to the Saints. And again, kicking issues continue to be prevalent all throughout the NFL. I'm amazed how many kicking issues there are in the NFL these days, from extra points to short field goals to punting issues. It's just it's incredible how little that that position gets invested in by the NFL. These NFL franchises that make millions and millions of dollars a year, and you don't and you don't invest in that part of the game. Mike Vrabel and the Titans playing the LA Chargers over in London. Goes for two in the last 30 seconds of the game, down one point, 20 to 19. Have two shots to convert a two-point conversion, one from the two and one from the one. A very curious decision of going for two versus kicking the extra point and playing for overtime, but... Vrabel and the Titans go for two. Mariota comes up short. That's nothing new. Not a big Mariota fan. The Titans from the one-yard line throw the ball. We don't give it to a 250-pound Heisman Trophy running back to try to get a yard. That that part of the call I just don't understand, especially when you get a second chance to run the two-point play. You try to run a slant in the back of the end zone, which gets deflected. I just don't get it. Uh, But, the Giants also go for two in a pretty unorthodox manner. The Giants are down by fourteen points in Atlanta Monday night. They score to get within twelve they, to, 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 sorry to get within eight. And instead of kicking the extra point with about four minutes to go, they go for two. Don't make it. Granted, it was a you know good throw by Manning to Beckham, who dropped the ball. But the the thought process of going for two right there is very interesting. You know, There's the analytics side of going for two. The percentages say if you make it there, your probability of winning increases uh, versus kicking the extra point, blah, blah, blah. Very interesting decision of what they did. A lot of criticism there. And then you have on the last drive of the game, you're down 11 points. And Manning gets to the one-yard line, and he runs two consecutive quarterback sneaks with no timeouts and doesn't make it in the end zone either time, and they pretty much burn the entire last minute of the game trying to run two quarterback sneaks when you got to score twice to win anyway, to tie. So just some very suspect uh, play calling. I am not a fan of Pat Shermer as a head coach. Good offensive coordinator, good good play caller, but when it comes to the the the, the decision to be a head coach, I just got a I just have a funny feeling he's going to be a North Turner kind of guy. Good coordinator, but just not a good head coach. Dave Wannstedt kind of guy, you know. Certain guys are just ma- are not made to be head coaches, while certain guys are. So I just don't I just don't see it with Shermer um, being a head coach. Some just very dubious decisions he's made over the last couple of weeks. Uh, just very 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 alarming. So. Week eight games of interest. You got Philadelphia in Jacksonville in London. Jacksonville benching Blake Bortles last week. He's been a disaster the last two weeks. It's been it's it's incredible how how bad he's played and how that guy has continued to be an NFL quarterback. You have Philadelphia who blew a 17 0 fourth quarter lead at home versus Carolina, which was stunning. Uh, Credit to Cam Newton and the Panthers for scoring three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, but it's just stunning how uh, I, I saw a stat where Philadelphia had called one running play in the fourth quarter up 17 to nothing. One running play in the fourth quarter. Are you kidding me, Doug Peterson? One running play up three scores in the fourth quarter when your offensive line is not very good to begin with. I just don't get that. I mean, that's just, you know, sometimes these these offensive coaches, man, they just they just they try to get so cute and so, you know, try to be so far ahead of the curve do what it is that wins games. Running the ball, use the clock, make Jacksonville make Carolina defend the run. Make Teams defend the run. Okay, you're up 17 to nothing, man. But this game, Philadelphia-Jacksonville in London, again. This is probably the end of the road for Blake Bortles if he does not play well. It would not shock me with the trade deadline coming up this coming up Tuesday, that the Jaguars trade for a quarterback if Blake Bortles struggles this week. Um, he was he's been benched. Was benched last week against. The Texans at home getting booed out of the stadium. You know there's some quarterbacks that are potentially available. You have David Derek Carr potentially available in Oakland. You have Eli Manning potentially available. You have a sleeper guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick in Tampa who might be available. Who's pretty cheap and could be a could be a uh, quick fix. And you also have Sam Bradford in Arizona who's been inactive, and the Cardinals are looking for a way to get rid of him. So that would be another name that I would be keeping an eye on as far as potential trade. So uh, big, big game for Philadelphia and Jacksonville. Phillies 3-4. Super Bowl malaise is definitely in full effect. Um, next game, L.A. hosting the Green Bay Packers. The Rams are undefeated, hosting Aaron Rodgers in the pack, coming off a of bye week. This is the largest Biggest underdog Aaron Rodgers has ever been in the NFL. I believe he's an eight and a half or nine point underdog on the road in Los Angeles. Can you? I mean, who would have ever thought that would be possible? But it is. The Rams are a juggernaut on all, both offense and defense. They were devastating last week against the 49ers. The defense, the offense was just clinical. The best team in the NFL clearly resides in Los Angeles with with uh, Sean McVay. Got the MVP in the league with Todd Gurley. You got golf playing great, receivers playing well. You got the defenses playing great. Aaron Donald had four sacks last week. Uh, they had, I believe they had about seven or eight sacks against the 49ers, who, who are a train wreck without Jimmy G. So LA hosting Green Bay will be a good very good game in the four the fourth 425 window. That'll probably be a Joe Buck. Uh, that'll be a probably a Buck and Aikman special. It's a big night in Los Angeles sports. You got the Dodgers and the Red Sox Sunday. You're going to have LA in, in the uh, Packers on Sunday. You got LeBron playing. So it's a, it's a huge day in LA sports. So if you're out that way, definitely enjoy that. Sunday night football. Rematch of the NFC divisional game, the Minneapolis Miracle relived. You got New Orleans going to Minnesota again. Sunday night, Alan Chris, NBC. You definitely will probably see, uh, you know, again, big rematch, big acquisitions in the offseason by Minnesota. You got Kirk Cousins coming to town to replace Case Keenum. You got kind of a story that's been under the radar. Is you got the story of Everson Griffin, the defensive lineman, who's probably their best defensive lineman. He went kind of AWOL about six weeks ago. Had some, sounds like he's had some mental health issues, and apparently he's rejoining the team this week. I don't think he'll he probably won't play this week, but he'll definitely be uh, he's he's beginning to practice again with the team to get reintegrated. I would expect to see him in another week or so. Um, but, again, a rematch. New Orleans coming off of, of, of an emotional win at Baltimore. Back-to-back road games. Um, again, back to the scene of the crime where, where you had the Minneapolis miracle from Keenum to uh, Stephon Diggs. Last, basically the last play of the game, about a 40-yard touchdown, 45-yard touchdown. <sighs> I'm sure Al and Chris will be uh, telling everybody how great everybody is, and just be will be just uh, gushing over the rematch and all the all the incredible moments and plays, and everybody's incredible and everything like that. So it'd be nice to hear Chris Collinsworth come out and criticize somebody once once in a while, instead of saying how great everybody is all the time. You know, come on, Chris, you're better than that. Tell people. What's really going on? Not don't don't sugarcoat it and, and, and you know make it out to be something that it isn't. Tell people what's going on, because we know Al's gonna make references to the to the uh, over unders and the in the number, <laughs> in his his uniquely subtle way that he knows how to do that. He tries he knows how to inter- get that into the conversation every week, especially if it's close to the number, on the total or the spread. So Al's fantastic at doing that. Because that's overwhelming. Very overwhelming. NFL trade deadline is, is fast approaching. Next Tuesday is the deadline. We've had some some pretty pretty active uh, trade trades so far. You had this week you had Amari Cooper get traded from Oakland to the Cowboys for a number one pick next year. Kind of an interesting, interesting move there. Uh the Dallas overpay is is you know. Gruden, Gruden and the Raiders are definitely stockpiling picks they, they now have three number one picks in the draft next year and they could have a fourth there's been rampant speculation that they would trade Derek Carr if they get a decent offer um, so Derek Carr could be somebody who could go to who could potentially be traded over the weekend definitely could be something that Jacksonville could look into uh, following their game Sunday in London Jacksonville will have a bye week following the London game so it would be a natural time if you're going to make it make a move at quarterback you'd have two weeks to get a guy ready so definitely keep an eye out on jacksonville making making a move for somebody at quarterback even if blake bortles plays okay this week i wouldn't be shocked at all if they made a trade for a quarterback again Derek carr eli manning ryan fitzpatrick sam bradford could be some names you'll hear um it would not shock me if Tampa Bay traded Ryan Fitzpatrick to Jacksonville, if they could get a third-round draft pick. Uh, he'd be a perfect fit, and Jacksonville could play. You know, the Bucs still have a, have a quality guy they think they like as a backup in Ryan Griffin to backup up Jameis. Uh, or you could have Oakland trade Carr to the Jaguars. I think you'll see an active trade, trade over the weekend, Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I think you'll see two or three trades. Uh, again, teams are more at, more at, apt to make a trade now because the trade deadline got pushed back a little bit. Uh, draft picks are not quite as valued as they once were. And you got teams that need one piece here and there um, that are going to make some make some deals. A couple de- couple smaller deals that happened this week, Eli, the Giants – who are in full rebuild mode now, traded Eli Apple and Damon Snacks Harrison. Uh, and, again, Oakland, who's in full full rebuild mode. These two teams are racing for the number one pick. The, the number one pick in the draft is, is going to be probably Justin Herbert, the quarterback out of Oregon. So teams are trying to get in position to be able to take Mr. Herbert. So don't be surprised if you see some more Raiders and some more Giants traded. Um, and then I think, again, I think you'll see some, uh, some activity over the weekend on probably on Monday morning, Tuesday morning for, for teams that are trying to go for it. All right, best bets of the NFL week. I'm going to take Minnesota minus the one on Sunday night. I think back-to-back road games for Minnesota, I mean for New Orleans, excuse me, is going to be too much. I think Minnesota's defense is going to play well enough. The offense for Minnesota is playing pretty well with Kirk Cousins. They're running the ball very well with Murray. The receivers, Diggs and Thielen, are playing very well. Again, very tough team in New Orleans. You got a great offense. You got Breeze. You got Peyton. You got Kamara and Ingram. But I do think the defense is still uh, vulnerable. And so I look for Minnesota to win kind of a 31 23, 24 kind of game up in Minneapolis for the rematch. I like Philadelphia minus three in London. I just am not a believer in Blake Bortles. The defense is is in shambles. They're uh, the defense is basically wanting to just crush uh, the offensive side of the, the the locker room. They're fed up with Blake Bortles. They just won't say it. Jalen Ramsey with some pretty strong comments about the locker room about the frustration. But I'll definitely take Philadelphia minus the three there. And then I'm going to take in an upset special. I'm going to take the Oakland Raiders plus three at home against the Colts. I think you're going to I think you're going to see the Raiders kind of play a uh, an up game. A uh, motivated game. You know, I think Carr is going to play well, potentially to be traded, and also to pr- prove to the to the naysayers that he's legit. I think you're going to get a you're going to get a uh, you're going to get a strong effort out of Oakland, coming off a buy. I'm, I'm not sold on the Colts. The Colts are an average team, traveling out west. Give me Oakland plus the three at home Sunday, in the black hole. All right. So that's the we're wrapping up. Episode 7 of the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers. Appreciate you listening. We'll be back here next week for another episode and appreciate your support. Tell a friend about our podcast. Forward our podcast on the Twitter. Reach out to us on Twitter at Kick the FB, Kick the FB, or send us an email at sportspowers at yahoo.com. If you have any comments or suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. And tell a friend, Powers on Sports Podcasts, we're out. Winner win a chicken dinner.